Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Mike Rosenberg from Columbia Credit Union. Mike says they trust what they see and hear on OPB, and that aligns with Columbia Credit Union's brand. From the Gert Boyle studio at OPB, this is Think Out Loud. I'm Jeff Norcross. Last year, the state of Oregon came out with a wildfire risk map. It had a lot of red in it. Big sections of central, eastern, and southern Oregon were put in the extreme wildfire risk category. It also put about half of the state's tax lots into areas that are considered vulnerable. As one lawmaker said, people exploded. The state forestry department was swamped with complaints from people who felt their new designations would mean bad news for their insurance premiums. And more broadly, they complained the maps just kind of happened without public input. So the map was scrapped, and lawmakers approved new legislation that directs the state to try again. We're going to talk about this new attempt to map the state's wildfire risk and more broadly about how the state is approaching wildfire management now. Mariana Rees-Temple is the state fire marshal. Mike Shaw is the chief of fire protection for the Oregon Department of Forestry. And Chris Dunn teaches wildfire risk science at Oregon State University. Welcome all of you to Think Out Loud. Thank you, Jeff. Good afternoon. Chris, uh, let's start with you. You were instrumental in developing the old map, and you will be similarly involved in the new one. Were you surprised by all the blowback from the public? You know, we had anticipated, you know, some level of controversy, but not nearly uh, to the extent that we received. So, yes, we were surprised. What do you think you and your team got wrong? Uh, You know, Primarily what we got wrong was um, the lack of public outreach and coordination as we continue to develop the map. Um, Much more was needed up front and consistently throughout the process and then following it. Why did that not happen? You know, we were on a really um, constrained timeline and there were a lot of components to building this. And so we had one year to deliver this map. Um, And during that year, we needed to develop the rules that defined it, um, which was a a, um, public process through a rules advisory committee. Um, And that took significant amount of time as we, you know, worked with that 26 member uh, committee to to define how we were going to go about um, actually mapping this. And then at the same time, we had to um, be prepared to create the analytics that supported uh, what they wanted to see uh, in that map. The map, regardless of the fact that, uh, you know, you were on a compressed timeline, it was an objective reflection of available science, wasn't it? Yes, that's correct. You know, we we built it in not only by the definitions that this um, broad rules advisory committee outlined for us, but we worked with, you know, our local, regional and state analysts um, that operate in the wildfire environment. You know, these are these are the folks that um, deliver fire behavior estimates for our incident management teams that are responding to fire, um, as well as private industry and and our science team here and, and a big broad collaboration as we, we try to develop the best product um, based on the science that's available today. All right. Well, there's this new Senate bill that passed this last session. It directs you to try again, basically. What's going to be different this time? Well, I think um, one of one of the obvious differences is going to be our public outreach um, and listening sessions. And so, you know, it mandates uh, eight meetings that Oregon Department of Forestry, myself and others will be at um, working with uh, the local counties. Um, but we'll go beyond that and, and you know, we'll reach uh, others and, and hear their concerns and hear their, their um, you know, 
interest in, in the future of what this map should look like um, and, and take that into consideration and, and, and envelop that to the degree that we can within the bounds of science objectivity. Um, and, and in so doing, we hope that um, more people will understand the process that we went through um, and ultimately the outcome that is generated from that objective process um, so that it's it's better accepted on the back end. One concrete change that I understand is going to happen with this new map is the word risk isn't going to be used. Instead, it will be hazard. What's the thinking there? Yes, that is correct. Uh, SB80 did change that. Uh, so when we define wildfire risk, um, there are three components that feed that, and it's the likelihood that an event's going to occur, which is a major component of it. We refer to that as burn probability. The intensity of the fire when it arrives at a location. Um, and those two components together are hazard, the fire hazard that we have, the environmental hazard of, as, as where we're located um, in the state of Oregon. And then there's one more component that defines risk, which is the susceptibility of the resource, in this case, the property or the home. Um, and the susceptibility of the resource is not something that we were assessing with this map. We were really focused on the hazard or how those two components align the exposure that uh, a parcel or property has. The susceptibility then is determined at a later state uh, within this process of this legislation. And so by separating the full risk profile, we can we can separate those components and say the map is intended to identify your local wildfire hazard. The susceptibility then is really about managing the home ignition zone, defensible space, home hardening standards, and that comes later. And that helps us explain more clearly what the map serves and how other components of this legislation work in conjunction with the map. Yeah, that's interesting because a lot of people said, if you had come to my home and you had seen the defensible space and the home hardening that I had done, maybe my area would not be in red. So this new process will allow for that more? We're not, the, the map as defined by the legislation will not include people's actions at their home, the susceptibility. That comes after the fact. So what you know what what we're doing is assessing that hazard. And you think about it, you know, somebody today may live in a home um, and do all of these defensible space measures, and they may move on and sell the home, and somebody that moves in may not do those. Yeah. What we want to understand um, with this map is what is the hazard that helps identify whether or not a person should do those actions. And then the state fire marshal and others will determine what those actions should be and whether or not they've already been met. Okay. Well, let's bring the state fire marshal into this. Mariana Ruiz Temple, uh, the, the work of mapping the state in this way all began with the passage of a Senate bill in 2021. And that was a response to the exceptionally bad fire season that we had the year before. What kind of direction did Senate Bill 762 create for your office? Yeah, uh, Senate Bill 762... Uh, was really a, the first of a kind Oregon wildfire omnibus bill. And it provided mandates to 11 different state agencies as well as OSU. Um, in, in regards to the Oregon State Fire Marshal, it mandated um, our agency to create a defensible space code um, and that, that and where it would apply. And um, that is uh, on as as indicated on the map. Um, so our office, you know, really took a look at what does it take to build a code 
first of a kind code for the state of Oregon. Um, and we were, you know, we worked with our stakeholder group, which began in, last year in earnest more in June um, and created what we're calling a guideline now based on the mandates established to us in 762. So we were able to create a code or a guideline um, that helps educate um, and uh, provide resources to individuals on how to build that defensible space around their home. And that defensible space essentially helps protect people, property, but also our firefighters. Uh, that was mandated to be completed in December of 2021. And so uh, that guideline is currently out there. Uh, we're continuing to refine and work with our stakeholders on what that will look like um, once it does become a code. Uh, and that's really based on the finality of the map. And how will all of that direction be different, if at all, under Senate Bill 80, which passed during this year's session, which is largely considered to be a fix for many of the problems in the previous bill that we talked about? Yeah, great question. I think the difference um, in terms of the verbiage is, um, as you indicated, the, the name of the map, but it also changed the classifications or the zones of the map. And so you have high, medium, and low, and previous legislation had more levels um, or zones of the map. And so um, what we expect to see, you know, next year when the map comes out is different uh, classification zones for from four to three. And then using that map and our guidelines established by our stakeholders to really educate folks how to build that habit formation and resiliency in communities and the work that we can do as Oregonians to help protect our own property, uh, help protect our firefighters um, and really build that resilience in communities. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about how the state is approaching wildfire as we get into the busy part of the season. Mariana Rees-Temple is the state fire marshal. I also spoke with Chris Dunn, who teaches wildfire risk science at Oregon State. Mike Shaw is here, too. He's the chief of fire protection for the Oregon Department of Forestry. And, Mike, I want to turn to you. How do you plan, or maybe the question is, how are you mandated to work with OSU and the fire marshal on manage wild, managing wildfire risk now under this legislation that we've been talking about? Uh, good question. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, <clears throat> appreciate the answers from both Chris and Mariana thus far, and and would say that that the passage of Senate Bill 80 really doesn't change how we work with those folks. We have such close relationships, both with OSU and with the Office of State Fire Marshal, that we're uh, continuing to uh, to work in that in that vein. What I would say is that the passage of Senate Bill 80 is really critical for us as an agency because we're we're really excited about the opportunity to have the time now to work with local governments and landowners and all interested folks as we embark on this new hazard map with these critical changes that were identified by by both Chris and Mariana and, and based on your questioning. Many federal agencies have a hand in managing wildfire risk as well. So far, we've been talking about efforts at the state level. But does the new legislation in some way direct you in a, in a particular way when it comes to working with the feds? It does not. Uh, we, we, as well, have great relationships with our federal partners, be that the United States Forest Service, the uh, Bureau of Land Management, uh, Bureau of Indian Affairs, you name it. Uh, and, and they have their own mandates. 
Uh, and I think that was one of the challenges that landowners saw when they looked at the map. Some of those vast swaths of, of red or orange uh, occur on federal ownership. And again, to Chris's conversation about the criteria that outlines that environmental hazard, climate, weather, vegetation, and topography, the management on federal ownership also plays into the visibility of what that map looks like. And we've seen really significant uh, investment at the federal level uh, through some the bipartisan infrastructure bill uh, and some other fuels reduction uh, investments that have made at the federal level to help with this challenge that we're seeing in Oregon. Uh, because at the federal level, they recognize that it, this is even bigger than Oregon, right? This is a this is a Western states issue uh, that is getting a lot of a, a, a lot of um, attention lately. Hmm. Mariana, uh, what kind of funding does Senate Bill 80 create for your office and how are you going to spend that money? Yeah, so Senate Bill 80, um, well, I'll back up, you know, previous legislation put a pretty significant investment at a state level to 11 agencies. Uh, for the most part, that was one-time funding, knowing that in order to address, you know, um, the new era of megafire in Oregon and to continue to live with wildfire, that it would take long-term durable investments. Uh, and that was stated many times, not only by our stakeholders, um, but all levels of um, government as we kind of embarked in this new new era. Uh, what Senate Bill 80 did is it provided into the Community Risk Reduction Fund, which was already established in 762, $3 million. And currently, um, with the Community Risk Reduction Fund, we were able to create uh, four or five tailored grants specifically focused on the built environment communities and how to reduce risk, whether that's mitigation, whether that's uh, education and training. And so what we hope to do um, is leverage that $25 million investment that Oregon made over the last two years, identify the successes of those programs, continue to look for other opportunities for funding. And our hope is to get $3 million out to the ground to help amplify and help continue the work that our locals are doing. Great projects, like we just heard from uh, Mayor Callahan, um, whether it's our counties, our cities, our NGOs, our fire agencies, um, is to continue that investment and continue it into the future, can hopefully. You give, can you give me a, a specific example of a community that has a need that the grant money like this would help with? Absolutely. Uh, we today actually um, are kicking off our community wildfire risk reduction grant. That was an $18 million investment. We received 160 requests for projects. We were able to award 106 all over the state. And uh, all of those awardees are on our website, but the town of Butte Falls was one of them. Uh, we know Grants Pass, Jacksonville, Maupin, um, you name it, every area of the state has a need. As as uh, Chief Shaw just indicated, it is a Western problem. It's a, an entire state of Oregon problem, but it's a national problem. So I say that only to recognize that every area of the state has a wildfire exposure and making sure that we're providing funding to those that are most prone to it, but also those that are most vulnerable to it. And so um, all of our grants are really built around exposure to wildfire, 
but also um, the social vulnerability aspects within communities. On the accountability front, one thing the Senate is requiring from you, well, the legislature and the governor requiring from you is is biannual reports from your office to the legislature about how wildfire prevention activities are progressing. And you released one in January of this year. What kinds of info go into those reports? Yeah, great question. We are required um, to provide those. Our next uh, report will be coming out in August. And what we're doing is, you know, working with our uh, each individual grant program has an evaluation process to identify what was what was it that we were able to get out of it, um, whether it's a capacity grant, how many firefighters were we able to provide, um, if it was a defensible space program, the dollars, but also maybe those boots on the ground assessments that we did. So it's really identifying through data and metrics what those dollars were able to do. It's also telling the success stories of what those dollars were due, whether that's mitigation um, and or uh, you know strategic investment. So the intent of 762 and those reports were to ensure, and rightly so, the accountability of those dollars to our locals to demonstrate the successes of those or identify areas of continuous improvement. And so, like you identified, our second report for this year will be coming out in August. Okay. Well, I want to bring Chris Dunn back into this because I'd like to look forward to the restarting of the process to draw up the map. And as you say, the uh, the goal of bringing the public in more and earlier. So how do you hope to engage with the public in this process? Oh, that's a great question, Jeff. Thank you. You know, the SB 80, you know, outlines eight meetings that we're going to begin with, and that's going to be the start of the process. Um, and with SB 80, we also received additional funding for a science communication specialist to bring here to OSU to, to help build more tools and more information and uh, a, a broader program to reach reach the public. And so we'll do those eight initial meetings and, and that'll um, set a foundation that along with the appeals and comments that we received from the last map uh, to how we best engage the broader community and go out and meet them where they're at to have these discussions, to work directly with them um, to, to develop a new, new, new path forward for success with the map and the broader SB 762 effort. I, I, apo I apologize if you answered this already, but when do these public meetings start? Uh, the the first eight, I believe, will be in September. Okay, um, that would be a, a a better question for Chief Shaw, um, and then we'll build out from there. Okay. Well, anything you want to add to that, Chief Shaw? Yeah, uh, Chris. Chris hit that on the head. Those begin in September, run through the month of September, and there are eight regional meetings in which we'll meet with uh, county commissioners and uh, and their staff to look at all of the stuff that we heard in the first effort and take in more feedback and input from those folks based on their local conditions and their local concerns. Well, between now and then, we do have a wildfire season to get through. And the last question is is for you, Mike Shaw. Uh, you know, our, our wildfire picture has been, you know, over 100 years in the making. We've mismanaged forests. People are building in the forests. We have an extended drought. While wildfire season has gotten off to a slow start here, of course, it's 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 going to get going and it is going to be disruptive. Why should all of the moves that we've been talking about here give us reason for optimism? Well, you mentioned it, Jeff, and that's a great question, and I could spend a long time. I'll try and shorten it. Uh, 
because this is a big issue, but you said it well, uh, it's taken us a hundred years of force management activities and fire suppression activities to put us where we are today. And I think we can all see that that exacerbated by climate change has created today's fire environment. And if we don't start today, 20 years from now, others behind us are gonna be having these same conversations. So it begins today with understanding the environmental hazard that we live in and understanding some of those processes and activities that we can take as individual Oregonians to help be part of the solution as we move forward. Thank you all. I appreciate this conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Mike Shaw is the division chief, uh, is the fire protection division chief for the Oregon Department of Forestry. Mariana Wees Temple is the state fire marshal, and Chris Dunn is an assistant professor in wildfire risk science at Oregon State.